So last week we talked about how we are to properly view our money. Somebody say money. money. Yeah, I want to go ahead and get all of, the, all of the stuff out of the way, you know. Um, we talked about how right understanding and right relationship are keys to changing our heart's perspective when it comes to our money, when it comes to our finances, we said that stewardship starts with this question, this very important question. Does what I have belong to me or does it belong to God? Does it belong to me or does it belong to God? We talked about how God has given each one of us a measure to steward. The reason that this series is called Steward Little is because we are uh, uh, um, coming to the full understanding that all we are is stewards. We own nothing. Everything that we have, everything that we see has been graciously given to us by God and we have been charged as stewards to protect, to expand what God has given us. We said that when we get to this place where we're face to face with God, the question will be, how well did you steward what I gave you? How well did you steward the job that I gave you? How well did you steward the finances that I gave you? How well did you steward the wife that I gave you? How well did you steward the husband that I gave you? We've been given these things and the question will be, how well did we steward what we've been given? Will it be a well done, my good and faithful servant? Or will it be, depart from me, you worker of iniquity? Stewardship. So the main question we have to ask ourselves is who or what are we putting our trust in? Why is it that we get funny with the money? Why is it in church that we get funny with the money? It's this taboo topic that we don't, we don't touch on or we don't want to spend too much time on or we don't want to talk about. We get funny when it comes to the money. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is who or what are we putting our trust in? Well, Pastor, you don't understand. I, I, you know, I go to work and I, I, I work very hard for my money. Yeah, but God woke you up. God protected you so that you could get to the job. God enabled you to, to get through the interview. God opened the door for you to get the job. He made sure you got there every day. He made sure you clocked in. So it's his. It's not yours. What are we putting our trust in? We said that how can we expect God to help us fight the enemies in our city if we don't trust him with the resources that he gave us to fight with? How can we say that we trust God if we don't trust him in the area that's most important to us? 
Our trust should be in God as our source, not our finances, not our jobs, not our bank accounts, not our savings account. It has to be in God. Understand this. God doesn't need our money. He wants our heart. But God cares about money because it is often the last part of our heart that we give or trust God with. The last part. God, I trust you with my kids. I trust you with with my marriage. I trust you with my healing. What about this money, though? Where's our heart? We close with this scripture. Matthew 6, verse 33. But first and most importantly, seek, aim, strive after his kingdom, his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God, and all these things will be added unto you. How do we do that? As we start today, how do we do that? How do we steward our money in a way that honors God? How do we seek first the kingdom of God when it comes to our money? How do we have that attitude and the character of God when it comes to our finances? And this question, what has God instructed us to do with our money? What has he instructed us to do? The one thing that I love about the Bible is whenever I have a question, I know where to find the answer. About anything, I can find it right here. And so when I ask God, what is it that you have called me to do with my money? He says, I'm glad you asked. So we're going to dive in that today. And so if today is your first day and you, you feeling a little squeamish, I suggest you put your seatbelt on. Uh, <laughs> let's dive in. What has God instructed us to do with our money? Acts chapter 20, verses 35. Acts chapter 20, verses 35. He says, in everything... I showed you by example that by working hard in this way that you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said. It is more blessed and brings greater joy to give than to receive. Okay, we're going to keep going. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verses 43 through 45. So we're in Acts, and, 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 and of course we're uh, 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 seeing how the first church is coming together, and, and Peter is, is giving this sermon, and he gives us this wonderful sermon, and we pick him up in, in verse 43. A sense of awe was felt by everyone. And many wonders and signs attesting miracles were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed in Jesus as Savior were together and had all things in common, considering their possessions to belong to the group as a whole. And they began selling their property 
and possessions and were sharing in the proceeds with all other believers as anyone had need. I wasn't looking for amens on that. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. It's too too late. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I got a theme going here. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 7. But as you excel in everything and lead the way in faith and in speech and in knowledge and in genuine concern and in your love for us, See that you excel in this gracious work of giving also. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. One more, because I don't think y'all believe me. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. I'm going to read this out of the Passion. Give generously. And generous gifts will be given back to you, shaken down to make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. The measurement of your generosity becomes the measurement of your return. Listen to me, the life of a believer the characteristic, the character of, of the associated of, of believers, according to Jesus, one of the characteristics of believers should be generosity. Yeah. It should be our giving. We are to be givers. Yes. We are, Paul tells us that we are to excel in this gracious work of giving. We read the scripture in Acts, 3,000 people came to know Jesus. They came to the knowledge of who Jesus was. And as a response to the message of salvation and a response to the message of grace, they began to sell their property and their possessions. And they shared the excess with anyone who had need. They were givers. And Luke, uh, Luke is encouraging us not to just give, but to give generously. He references and Jesus said that when we live a life of generosity, when we live a life of being a giver, we are living a more blessed life. He said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So how do we honor God with our finances? What has God instructed us to do with our money? He told us to give. He told us to give. Giving is a fundamental factor and a form of currency in the kingdom of God. Giving is a fundamental factor and a form of currency in the kingdom of God. Please understand, this is a major key. This is a major key alert. Giving is a fundamental factor and a form of currency in the kingdom of God. When we give, we are releasing God's blessing in our lives. 
when we give, we're releasing that thing. We are telling him that we believe his promises to provide for us and we are willing to share with others. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Because I don't want y'all to say, oh, the pastor was talking about money and he's just, no, no, no. I'm going to show you what the word says. I, 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 my opinion, my opinion doesn't matter. I'm gonna just tell you what the book say. Second Corinthians nine. I'm gonna go uh, uh, start at verse six. So, so here, Paul is is talking uh, with the church in Corinth, and, and they have this gift, right? They 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 were so excited to give. They was ready a year in advance. And they was like, we are ready to give this gift. Paul is writing this letter. And he begins telling me, he's like, yo, I'm going to send the homies over to come grab the gift. Because I don't want to be looking crazy if you ain't got it. To, I'm, this is innocent. And I don't want to be looking crazy if the gift isn't ready. So I'm going to send them over so that you know that you, you're giving from a heart of graciousness. And he says, here's my point in verse 6. Here's my point. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest. But one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. Verse 7, here's the key right here. Let giving flow from your heart. Let giving flow from your heart. Not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving all because the Passion Translation says all because God loves hilarious generosity. All because God loves hilarious. Other versions will say a cheerful giver. He says don't give. Don't, don't be angry and give. That's a kid. When I tell Cadence to give something to his little brother, he's mad about it. Because he's a child and he doesn't understand. But he says, let it spring up from you. Let it spring up out of you. Paul says a cheap giver is going to be a cheap receiver. But a generous giver will be a generous receiver. He's using this, this farming illustration. He's using this illustration to show, to show that sowers, sowers who we're supposed to be, or givers, a harvest is dependent on what we sow. Unless the seeds are planted, there will be no crop. The seed deposited into the ground is an investment made in faithful expectation of reaping something much more significant. Much more significant. We're not sowing a dollar because we want to get a dollar back. I need a breakthrough. I need a healing. I got a family member that I need to come to Jesus. I got some things that I need the Lord to, 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 to work on in me. Yeah. And so I am sowing in expectation of a harvest far beyond what a dollar can do for me. Sowing, being a, a giver. He's called us to be a giver. Verse 7, giving, he, he says, let giving flow from your heart, uh, not from a sense of religious duty. Giving is not only about the gift, but the attitude of a giver. Don't give me something and be mad about it. That's right. That's right. Like, 
Thank you, Dad. Keep it. Don't give it to me and be mad you gave it to me. Keep it. He says it's not just about what it is that you're giving. It's about the heart in which you give it. It's about the heart in which you give it. He said that we are to be uh, the Greek word, and this is where you get hilarious. Because I was like, why does the pastor translation? I know pastor translation. Anyway, uh, but sometimes it says the little things that difference. But I looked it up, and the word is halaros. The word is halaros, and it means cheerful, joyous, and prompt to do anything. He says, when it comes to your giving. I love a giver that is cheerful, that is joyous, that is prompt to do anything. He says that's the type of givers that I'm excited about because they understand that their capacity to give is determined by God and not themselves. That's what we got to get. This is why money is funny to us because we're scared. That's what it is. Because we, we're, we're thinking about where is the next going to come from? And what it exposes in us is our trust in God. Come on, come on. Don't move. Nobody will know a shoot. I'm, I'm just saying. It exposes us. We don't want to be generous because we're not, well, well how am I going to, I need to have for myself. I need to be able to take care of it for myself. I no, 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 no. God is saying, trust me as your source. Trust me as your source. When we know that God is our source, we can be cheerful. Because we understand that there is no possibility of giving if he hadn't given it to us first. There's no possibility of us giving if he hadn't given it to us first. One of the ways that we are able to discern that we're growing in our faith is when we can give with a glad heart. When we can give in response to the goodness of God. Giving should be a joy and not a job. Amen. We are to be givers. We are to be givers. Verse 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough of everything in every moment, in every way. He will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. Just as the scriptures say about the one who trusts in him, because he has sown extravagantly and given to the poor, his kindness and generous deeds will never be forgotten. God is more than ready says he is more than ready and his grace, every form of his grace, all that is, that's all that he can do for you that you can't do for yourself. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm ready to do at all for you what you can't do for yourself. It's the provision when you're in need. It's healing when you're broken. It's peace in the midst of turmoil. When we have stingy hearts, we restrict the flow of God's yes. grace. Yes. 
But when we operate from a generous heart or a hilaros heart, it's the generosity that causes grace to overflow with abundance. Our generosity is directly tied to our trust in him. And it ministers beyond our seed. It ministers way beyond what we put in the bucket. It ministers way beyond what we give to those who are in need. It gives a testimony to others of Christ's work in and through us. In and through us. I got to keep going. Verse 10. Oh, he, and, and, and this, at this point, Paul is just showing off. He, he's just showing off. He says, this generous God who supplies seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals, is even more extravagant to you. First, he supplies every need plus more. Then he multiplies the seed as you sow it so that the harvest of your generosity will grow. You will be abundantly enriched in every way as you give generously on every occasion. For when we take your gifts to those who are in need, it may cause many to give thanks to God. This priestly ministry you are providing through your offering not only supplies what is lacking for God's people, it inspires an outpouring of praise and thanksgiving to God himself. This is the effect of our giving. This is what happens when God's people decide to be givers. When we decide to no longer be afraid of where it's coming from or who it came or when is the next one coming or how am I going to get the next one and we say, you know what, God, I trust you. We say, God, you know what? I, I'm not worried about where it's coming from because you gave it to me in the first place. So who are you? I, I wish you would send me somebody to give. I wish you would send me somebody that's in need. And God is like, oh, oh, for real? Okay. I'm going to send them. And at that point, now he has to continue providing for you so that you can continue to be a blessing yeah. so that he yeah. can get the glory. Yes. It's far beyond us. He's getting it through us. Not just to us. A lot of times we're thinking about what he's giving to us. God, what are you looking to get through me? What are you looking to get through me as I begin to give? What are you looking to get through me? We see God on full display in our giving. Paul shows us how involved God is in our giving. First, he supplies the seed. Then he multiplies the seed. And as we make a lifestyle of generosity, as we make a lifestyle of giving, we minister to others by not just providing what's lacking for God's people, but it inspires praise and thanksgiving to God. Thank you, Jesus. How do we get in on this generosity? What are the avenues that God has instructed us to give. If God desires us to be givers, then that means he's also created opportunities for us to give. And he has. 
And they are clearly uh, uh, pointed out here in Scripture. God has given us starting points of generosity that he points out in the Bible. Even before I go there, let me, let me back up. Because I've experienced this. When he says it inspires outpouring of praise and thanksgiving to God himself. I don't know if uh, about I don't know about you guys, but I've been in a position where I had a need. Where I've had a real need. God, I need you to come through on this. I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I need you to move. And what happens is when he does it, when that generosity takes place, when somebody is moved by God and they make a decision to be generous and they fulfill the need through them to what God has, there's something that happens. And I experienced this myself. And I talked about this a couple weeks ago. Where the only thing that you can say is thank you, Jesus. The only thing that you can say in that moment, you want to thank the person and, and you don't want to seem ungrateful, and, and, but it's thank you, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Because I know that you're giving it to me, but I know that God is the provider and he knew what my need was. He knew it and I had no idea how we was going to get it. I had no idea where it was going to come from, but God, you did it again. And so because of this generosity, I just want to say thank you. Jesus. This is what he's talking about. And he's saying his desire is to use us so that other people can have thank you Jesus moments. That's why he desires us to be givers. So that he can get the glory. And here it goes. And, 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 and when we are generous... The next thing, when you come into contact with somebody who's not a believer, what's their first question? Why are you doing this? Oh, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. Why would you want to give to me? Why would you want to help me? Why are you being so generous? Why are you being nice? Let me tell you why. Because there was a God that was so generous to me. That he sent his son to die for me. He was so gentle. God, he loved me so much that he was, he gave. He gave his only son. And because of the generosity to me, I have no choice but to be generous to those who are around me. And wherever I see a need, I am going to be generous because of the generosity that I'm shown. Would you like to know that's Jesus that I'm talking about? That's why he wants us to be givers. That's why he set these things in place and these avenues in place for us to give. This generosity marks our lives. And, and this is the thing. It's a principle that God has put in place. And the thing about principles is they work regardless of who you are. We see people in the world all the time, philanthropists, people who give away millions of dollars. They give it and they give it and they give it and they give it and they get it back. Why? Because it's a principle. But imagine what happens when that principle is applied in the kingdom of God. 
where it's originally supposed to be. God has given us these points. These starting points of generosity. The first uh, two starting points that he's given us, he talks about tithes and offerings. Somebody say tithes and offerings. What is a tithe? The tithe is 10% of your income. He says uh, in Leviticus 27 verse 30, he says, And all the tithe, which means a tenth, of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's, and it is holy to the Lord's. Genesis chapter 14 is where all of this comes from. Uh, then after Abram's return from the defeat of the Cherdorlamor and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shava. That's the king's valley. Melchizedek, king of Salem, ancient Jerusalem, brought out bread and wine for them, and he was the priest of the God Most High. And Melchizedek blessed Abram and said, Bless, joyful, favored be Abram, the God Most High, by God Most High, creator and possession of heaven and earth. And blessed, praise, and glorified be God Most High, who has given your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of all the treasure he had taken in battle. This is where the origin comes from, of, of tithe. And it became an uh, Old Testament uh, a law that was put in place that, that everyone should tithe. And God talks about our tithing here in our Bible. And the question remains, if, if it's an Old Testament law and, and we live under this, this New Testament grace, then what does that mean? That means that it is no longer a law or a mandate for us to tithe. It is now an opportunity that God has given us to participate in this exchange of sowing and reaping. Malachi 3, verse 8 through 10. This is the scripture uh, 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 that most of you have heard. I'm going I'm to I'm bring a little, a little bit to it. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse so there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. It's the only time in the Bible where Jesus is talking about this. And he says, try me. Try me. See if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing until there is no more room to receive it. Will a man rob God? Yeah, you are robbing me, but you say in what way? In tithes and offering, you have withheld. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me and this whole nation. All right, Pastor, now you, you, you talked about that. Now, now in the end, you ended it with that. Well, what does that mean? Well, in this particular scripture, he is talking to the people who he's talking to here in this Old Testament, uh, 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 um, in this Old Testament di dictatorship or, or um, covenant, excuse me, this Old Testament covenant. And he says, uh, uh, this is why you are cursed with the curse for you are robbing me in this whole nation. But Jesus came, hallelujah. Jesus came and now we are under a new covenant. There is a new covenant that there is not a curse that's associated with our tithe. There's not a curse that's associated whether we tithe or not. So you're saying, well, if I don't tithe, then I'm cursed. No, that is a lie from the pit of hell. But what it is, is there is an opportunity for you to walk in what God has. There's an opportunity for the windows of heaven to open up so that there may be food in the house so that you won't have room enough to receive it. 
He says, this is an opportunity. This is a starting point that I'm giving you to be a giver. Tithes and offering. So, so what happens if I, if, if, if I don't give 10%? Okay, that's the way you and God. I'm not, nobody's checking your pockets. But he's saying this is a starting point. As a giver, when you start giving 10, at some point, because we should give, he said, let this come flow out of your heart. So our giving has to be, there is no law that can make us give. He says, I want your giving to flow from your heart. Out of the general, when you think about all that God has done for you, when you think about his goodness, when you think about his grace, what is your response when it comes to your finances? What is your response when it comes to your finances? Give. Give. What is our offering? Our offering is, is anything that is above our, our, our tithe. He says, I, I've set these two things in place so that you can begin to know. It may start at 10. It may move up to 15. It may move up to 20. It, it may go. I, I, that's between you and God. But what he does say is he, say, he says, are you going to trust me with it? He says, I, I, I know this is new. You, you may be a new believer, so let's just start with 10. Let's just start. When, when, you, get, when you get that, he says, I'm just requesting 10%. That's all. But as you grow, as you, as you begin to, to, to grow more in, in God, and as you begin to grow more in who you are, that thing will change. You say, God, I don't, I, what else can I do? Is there a missionary I can support? Is, is there a church I can support? Is there some people who need something? We begin to grow in this area of giving. Yeah. Giving is how we should be marked. And he, he gives us tithes. He gives us offerings as a starting point for us to walk out generosity. Jesus. Sacrificial giving and alms. The last two. We, we just read about how when they came together uh, in the book of Acts that they begin selling their houses. That they begin giving all of what they had, all of what they had out of a response of God's grace. Out of response of hearing what God had done, they begin to give sacrificially. He said, God, are you telling me that he, he died for me? Are you telling me that I now have access to the king of king and the Lord? What can I do? What can I give? What can I do? And he says, and they just begin to give sacrificially. And then Luke 18, he points out, as he's talking to uh, Nick, you can come up. As he's talking to uh, the rich young ruler, verse 22, when Jesus heard him, he said, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and distribute the money to the poor and you will have abundant treasure in heaven. And come and follow me, becoming my disciple, believing and trusting in me, and walking in the same path of life that I walk.
God has given us avenues to walk out the lifestyle of being a giver. Said not only should we give, but we should be generous givers. When we move to an area to where we trust God with our finances, it opens up so much more for our life. My life has been marked by giving. From a very young age, my life was marked by giving. And the results that I see in my life right now is a harvest of the seeds that I was planted, that I planted. And not, fi- not just in financial areas. When I look at my life, when I look at my wife, when I look at my kids, when I look at our church, thank you, Jesus. And he's given us these areas. He says, I call for you to be givers. He wants us to use our money, use our possessions, and the things that he has entrusted us with in a way that promotes God's interests and the spiritual salvation of others. I've told this story before to my team, and I was uh, living in Atlanta, and I had a moment where I was in need. I was living by myself, and I was at this point where I was like, God, I, 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 I ain't got nothing. God, I'm broke. I ain't even going to hold you. I don't have money to buy dinner. And that day, I was in youth ministry, and I specifically heard the Lord tell me to sow something. And I was like, God, look, you know, I love you and all. Um, There is literally nothing in the cupboards. But I'm going to be obedient. Because that's what I know to do. And this was a small seed. I was a teenager, so I didn't have much money. This was a, a small seed. And I began, I gave... And I paid my tithes, I paid offering, I had given, and I literally had nothing left. And I went to the mailbox, and this is how the enemy does. I went to the mailbox, and there was a bill in the mail. Georgia Power. Here y'all have PG&E in Atlanta, we have Georgia Power. And I remember thinking, see, now what am I supposed to do? And in the instance, I had to change my mind changed my mindset no God you told me that you would provide my needs according to your riches and your glory you told me that if I have a need that I should bring it to you you told me that if I honored you with my tithe if I honored you with my giving that you would open up the windows of heaven I said so God look this your bill. This ain't my bill. This your house, remember? This is yours. And so God, I give this bill to you because I don't have it to pay and I believe that I've honored you with what I have. And I put the bill on the table and I went, laid down, got back up, 
And I never forget this day as long as I live. And I opened the bill. And inside of what I thought was a Georgia Power bill was actually a check. What had happened is I had paid my bill consecutively from the beginning and they were giving me my deposit back, which was somewhere around three, four hundred dollars. Let me tell you, as a 19 year old, and in that moment, here was my response. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because I knew it wasn't me. I just chose to be obedient. And here's God. God is like, I'm, I'm just going to test you right here. Because I already have this set up. Because it was in the mailbox way before I got home. He said, but I'm going to just, just try you right here. But I already have your sufficiency already set up. I just need you to trust me. I just need you to trust me. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And in that moment, I said, God, I just want to say thank you. Because I know it wasn't me, it was all you. And from this day forward, I will live my life as a giver. Because I realize that you are my source and you have called me to give if it's tithes if it's offering if it's a sacrificial gift if it's helping a missionary giving alms whatever it is you've called me to be a giver and so I will why because I trust you in a recession I trust you in a pandemic I trust you. When gas prices look as crazy as they are, I trust you. When there's a food shortage, I trust you. Why? Because you've already called me to be a giver and I already know what's coming. Because you are my source.